Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. This is our 101st episode of this podcast. It's been such an amazing journey. You guys have, you guys listen to our podcast 100 with myself and Pastor Chris Busher. An amazing time to recap everything that's happened so far. And today we have another amazing guest, Paul, Paul Ramore. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you, Dallas? I'm doing all right. You said that you're calling from Philly. I am. Yeah, right outside Philly. All right. All right. Can you tell me something about Philly? Because I honestly don't know enough about Philly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we got the Liberty Bell here in Philadelphia and a lot of people don't realize it was actually the first capital of the United States uh, for several years wow. before it was moved down to, to D.C., I think in, in like the early 1800s. But yeah, I mean, this is where, where the nation started, where the, the declaration was written and where, um, hmm. you know, where was the original capital, the original founding took place right here in, in Philadelphia. Wow. And how long have you been living in Philly? Uh, most of my life. I've lived around here, uh, grew up in, in a small suburban town and then um, as I'll share in a little bit, I went to college in North Carolina, you know, for a few years, but I've lived around here uh, most of my life. Great. Well, Paul, it's so great to have you here today. And today we're going to talk about your book, Obsession, Depression, and Resurrection. Yeah. I like that title because that's my journey just as much as it's. I'm going to hear about yours today. And so I'm excited to hear about that. And the second part of that title is A Powerful True Story of Hoops hopelessness, and lasting joy. And so our listeners, that is hoops, like basketball hoops. Yeah. And so Paul, if you can just take the next 10 to 15 minutes and explain why you are here today and why you're a Christian and just a little bit about your testimony, that would be great. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a pretty secular environment, wasn't raised in church or anything like that in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And pretty much found my identity in academics and sports, um, things like that through elementary school. And then in the beginning of middle school, started having some, some struggles and battling a little bit with depression, especially when I made my first C on a report card and wasn't, um, wasn't quite able to find my identity in the same way in the academic arena and started to rebel really hard. You know, I, I struggled with perfectionism and, uh, things like that from the time I was really young, but, um, that, that one C really crushed me. Um, and I, I began, uh, kind of indulging in drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, because I, I just given up, um, on school by the time I, uh, over the course of the year, but by, by the time I was in like seventh grade, I was deeply involved with drugs and alcohol. And then, but right around that time, I started developing a deeper passion for the game of basketball. And it was also around that time that I saw a documentary on pistol Pete Maravich, who was one of the greatest college players of all times. For, for those of you who don't know who that, who that was, 
Um, in the 1970s, he, he, he was the first uh, professional player to make a million dollars playing basketball. He was, you know, the kind of the Michael Jordan of his day before Michael Jordan. And I saw how he, he would practice from 9 a.m. I mean, from 6 a.m. in the morning until nine o'clock at night. And I said, literally, I, I turned off the documentary. I said, I'm going to be like that guy. And I gave my life to the game of basketball in a similar way that someone would give their life to Jesus Christ. And I said, this is what my life is going to be about. This is what I'm giving my life for because I wasn't finding life in anything else. And so I started practicing from uh, sun up until sundown. I was skipping school all the time to go play basketball. Mm-hmm. And that became my, my obsession and my, my life and my God uh, all through seventh grade, eighth grade ninth grade and started doing better and better and was you know barely getting by in school but then by by the end of my ninth grade year um i I missed so much school and my grades were so bad uh my parents got a call from school saying that i was gonna have to repeat my ninth grade year and they like flipped out on me they were like this has just gone too far you you, we're we're gonna send you away to an all-boys boarding school and how many you know now and probably no basketball right what's that and probably no basketball there either. They, they had basketball. But yeah, I, that was one of my concerns. I was like, this little boarding school probably has a terrible basketball team. And I was like, I am not going to this all-boys boarding school. You know, what 14-year-old boy wants to. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Junebug in July is a colorful children's picture book about a young Junebug named Dave who wakes up to find that it's July 1st and his family has disappeared. To find his family, he needs to figure out where do Junebugs go in July. It's short and sweet with cute, vibrant illustrations, a great book for young adults. Created by indie authors Dominic Guglielmo and Michael Schubert. Available now on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It Was You by Rod Sliwa, a story of war, friendship, and loss. An unexpected ending reveals what was in front of you the whole time. The story will take you to a different place and give you a glimpse of what it was like to grow up in times of war. Get your copy today on Amazon. My parents, you know, long story short, I was 14, so they have the final say. They send me away to this all boys boarding school. And when I come in, there's actually four other guys coming in as freshmen uh, that were really into basketball. Like one had like a 40 inch vertical leap from the Bahamas, another guy from DC that was really good. Another guy from Philly, another guy from North Jersey. So immediately I was kind of like, Oh, well my biggest fear has been alleviated. Like that it's all good as far as basketball. And I realized I was only a half hour away uh, from my hometown. So I was able to at least go home on the weekends, unlike a lot of the students who were from all over the world. So I was absolutely, um, you know, sold on, on this whole boarding school thing. And I was like, oh, this, this is going to be all right. And so I continued down this road of uh, just focusing mainly on basketball, but then since I was there, I, you know, we had study hall every night from seven thirty to nine where we had to be doing schoolwork. So then everything in that arena was going well uh, as well. You know, I, I started, my grades went from like all D's and C's to pretty much all A's and B's. And, you know, by, by my junior year, I was kind of the quintessential 
uh, student athlete was making almost all A's at that point. And, and I only share this part because I should have been so thrilled and so happy with the direction my life was going, but I was miserable through it all, man. Like I did not, um, I didn't really express it to anyone, but the, the pressure to perform and to achieve was only growing with every new obstacle that I climbed. And by my junior year, I, I was, uh, I was running cross country to get in shape for basketball season. And I came in first place in every cross country race that I ran in. And then I led the basketball team to an undefeated season and was given the MVP award of the basketball team. And then I had a really great baseball season as well. I had the, the best baseball season of my life and actually hit a walk-off grand slam against a big military school. Come on. Uh, that's a, like an all around athlete there. It, it, it was crazy. Like, I, I mean, I had given my life to, to athletics and, you know, I was seeing the fruit of it and I, I should have been so happy. Right. Like, and I had this, uh, you know, little party life on the side where I was going down into the city to different colleges where I had friends at Temple and St. Joe's university and was kind of partying up there. And, you know, sometimes playing ball there, uh, you know, against some, some of the college guys. And it was just like, you know, everything that a 17 year old could have wanted, I, I had, and yet I, I was absolutely miserable and the pressure to take the team back to another undefeated season, you know, especially when I, I hadn't gotten, uh, you know, a big scholarship yet. Um, I, I received an academic scholarship, but I didn't receive an athletic scholarship like I wanted. And so I was like, I got to take the team back to another undefeated season for my senior year. And so that's what I did. Uh, so, I mean, so that's what I, I sought out to do. Um, and that summer I said, all I'm going to do this summer is practice basketball, uh, going into my senior year. So I was on the court literally more than ever, 12, 13, 14 hours a day, every waking second, I was either on the court or in the weight room, uh, preparing for the next season and did that all through June, all day, every day, pretty much all through July. And last week of July, I went to Reebok camp and was competing against, you know, guys who are in the NBA now and realized I wasn't quite as good as I thought, you know, and had uh, just a greater wake up call to how, uh, how futile all of my efforts had been in, in the greater scheme of things and achieving my dreams and all that. So like I said, I battled, you know, uh, kind of the workspace mentality and all that my whole life. But when, when it really hit me, that I wasn't good as I thought I was. I still hadn't received, received a, a scholarship. And, you know, I was getting burned out on basketball anyway. I didn't, I didn't really want to play that badly in college anymore because I was, it was all I was doing. And I was getting burned out on it. I really spiraled downward in a deep, dark depression really, really fast. And uh, I, I literally got up, got up one day and was like, what is the point in doing this? And I kind of sat there and contemplated it and just uh, ruminated my own thoughts all day long. And for the first time started asking some, you know, some of these big questions of life and wasn't, um, wasn't really factoring God into it hardly at all. And was just thinking about like, what is this going to matter at the end of my life that I was good at putting this sphere through an iron hoop over and over again? You know, it doesn't really make sense that I, that's what I would give my life to, but I did. And, you know, at about 18 years old, it had been most of, most of my life that I could remember, you know? So yeah. that one day of just, you know, sitting around doing nothing turned into three weeks of just turn my phone off. Didn't want to talk to anyone, barely leave my room, didn't work out, didn't touch a basketball. 
just basically stayed in my room for three weeks thinking about like, what is the point? And after those three weeks, man, I had no answers. I had absolutely no answers. And I slammed my fist down on my bed and I said, that's it. I'm going to kill myself today. I said, I'm, I'm just going to commit suicide today because I, I can't take this anymore. And everything I do is just never good enough. And so I trudged the shower. I, I'm literally feeling like I'm, I'm losing my mind because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm just going to kill myself today. I'm, I'm done with this pain. And as I'm in the shower, thinking about, you know, a few different ways that I could end my life. And my body's literally leaning up against the, the shower wall thinking about ending the one precious life that God had given me. And this, you know, 10,000 voice choir is just chanting, just do it. You're worthless. Just do it. You're worthless. I know some of you listening hmm. have heard those voices in your mind of just, you're worthless. You're, you're, you're never good enough. You're never going to uh, amount to anything. Right. And and so I was hearing these voices amplified greater than ever before over and over and over again, you know, for, it was only, you know, five or 10 minutes, but it felt like an eternity. And then all of a sudden in the midst of this, as I'm pretty much setting my heart to, to commit murder, you know, to, to kill myself, <laughs> all of a sudden in a moment, all of the, those thoughts stopped and this peace that was palpable, it was tangible, came into the shower all the thoughts were immediately eradicated as I'm like halfway slid down the shower wall. And I, I hear this, this voice, not audibly, but internally say, you need to go to this one particular church. And I, I you know, of course I, th I think I'm losing my mind at this point. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on, but of course after something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just yeah. going to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm crazy, if I'm losing my mind, whatever. I'm going to go. And I go to this one particular church. And I, I didn't go to church except on Christmas and Easter. You know, and I'm sitting in the back. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on here. Uh, I, don't, I don't do this, but I'm just kind of checking it out, you know. And then the sermon started. And the sermon that Sunday was all about people who are depressed, about people who are suicidal, and how God is desperately reaching out to you today. And this could be your last chance for him to reach out to you. But he is desperately reaching out today to you because he cares so much about you. And he loves you so much that he'd rather die for you than be without you. And I said, I ran out of there. I was like, yo, I don't know who this Jesus is, you know, what the whole deal with the cross is. But the God of Christianity is real. And he just reached out to me. And so I, I was already on this journey of just like, you know, total focus on basketball. And then I was just like, yo, I have to figure this out. And all of a sudden, you know, basketball was not as big of a deal. Uh, everything else was, was just like, I, I have to figure this out. So I started, go, kept going to church, uh, you know, for the next few weeks. And soon it was time to go back to my boarding school for my senior year. And throughout my senior year, man, it was like, I was in this tug of war match as, you know, I, I believe with all my heart that the, the, the devil saw me pursuing the things of God. And he knew that I was about to turn my life over to Jesus. And I, I was in this tug of war match where I, I was still, you know, partying, living it up every, every Saturday night, getting drunk and high. And then, uh, still going to church every Sunday 
and was just not uh, not hearing a really clear gospel message, though, on how to surrender your life to Christ and how you know his righteousness is accounted to us. I just felt like if I do enough Christian things, maybe at some point that'll make me a Christian, you know, and I know that's how a lot of people think, but it's, it's not true. And so as a result, I, I was still um, I still don't know what would have happened if I would have died during my senior year of high school of all this exploration and all this hope that I was starting to feel, um, you know, I believe if I would have died during that time, I, I most likely still would have perished, you know, and I, I did almost die four times during that year, like twice of drug mm-hmm. overdoses, once of alcohol poisoning. And then once I was in a car accident on the Pennsylvania turnpike where the whole front of my car was smashed, the whole back end was smashed and I came out of it without a scratch on me. So I was being shaken and awakened to the reality of life and death of heaven and hell, and all these big issues of life, like in my face, right? As I, I've been on the verge of death, like four times in that one year, 05 and 06. And so, uh, you know, the school year ends, I'm still not sure what to do with this whole Christianity thing. And then I, I go to a, a small university in North Carolina, a secular university, like not, not a Christian school or anything like that. I was just going to go and become a, a, a teacher. And wasn't sure what I was going to do exactly with my life. And my, uh, my first week there, I'm playing a pickup basketball game. And a guy comes up to me and said, hey, you're fast, man. You should play on our flag football team. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know who you are, but yeah, I'll, I'll play on your flag football team. And he goes, oh, hi, I'm Clint. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm part of a, a ministry here called Campus Outreach. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, well, let me tell you about my past year. and. Or actually, before that, he said to me, he said, yeah, I don't know if you're a Christian or anything, if you like rap music, but I was actually just visiting a friend of mine um, up in, in Philly because I told him where I was from. He said, I was just visiting a friend of mine in Philly uh, who's a Christian rapper. They call him The Truth. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I said, bro, I have one Christian rap CD, and it's by The Truth. That was the only Christian rap CD that I own, and this guy was like one of his best friends down in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Uh, you know, and truth is from, from Philly. So it was just like this crazy connection that only God could have done. And so I was like all ears when this guy was telling me about campus outreach and how that's, you know, this evangelical ministry and, and whatnot. And he's like, you got to come to the meeting on Thursday, man. I was like, what's the meeting? He's like, just come out. And so I come out at this meeting and there's probably like 50 to hundred college students there just hanging out and blasting Christian rap music. And then all of a sudden, the guy, uh, Clint, who I'd met, he comes in, you know, turns off the music. He's like, all right, everyone sit down, sit down. We're about to get started. And uh, he gets up there and he just shares the, the glorious gospel of grace, just as clear as can be about the beautiful yet horrific transaction that really takes place. The moment that we surrender our life to Christ, how he takes up all of our sin on the cross and the moment we surrender him, but it doesn't doesn't just stop there. Not only does he take up all our sin, but then he gives us his righteousness, his perfect record free of charge so that we can stand before a perfect God on his perfect record and not have to stand on our own record. And that's grace to do. say, you didn't do anything to deserve it. Not only am I going to lay down my life for you, I'm going to give you my perfection so that you can be in a perfect relationship with a perfect God now and forever. And the moment I heard that, I was like, I get it. This is what I need to hear this whole year. And I ran back to my dorm room. Unfortunately, no one was there. And I cried for the first time in years and just, just wept and wept. And I said, Lord, I get it. I see you. I need you. I want you. I said, Lord, I give you my life. I'm yours. 
September 14th of 2006. And by the grace of God, I've never looked back. I've never been the same since, since that day. Come on, Paul. That's amazing. That's an amazing message and amazing. I mean, you're preaching the gospel and sharing your testimony all in one. And, and Paul, as you were sharing this, I can see the title of your book being revealed, the obsession and then the depression and then the resurrection. Like I just yeah. saw that happening in your story. And as you haven't turned back, you know, that's amazing. Paul, I had questions prepared for you. We're going to go off script completely because none of that I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about anything I prepared. I want to go with with these other things I'm thinking about. So, Paul, with your testimony and overcoming that perfectionism and overcoming all those difficulties and things that you faced in your life, what would be your advice for our listeners who are going through some of the same things? And you even mentioned hearing all those thoughts of just give up, just quit, just kill yourself. Yeah. What's some advice for those listeners today who I believe have some of those thing, same feelings and thoughts? Yeah, um, uh, I would say, you know, obviously, first and foremost, for, for those of you who are familiar with Christianity and the Bible, we know that ultimately, you know, God does what he does ultimately for his own glory, right? For the sake of his own name. I think most Christians believe that and, uh, you know, uh, agree on that. But uh, there, there's a real sense in which the, the price that someone's willing to pay for something determines the value of it, right? Like, like if, if I have, you know, like a, a 1984 junker car or something, um, you know, you're not going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for it, right? Like the, cause it's not that valuable. It doesn't mm-hmm. do much. Right. And or if, if you have a fake, you know, diamond ring, it's not going to be nearly as valuable as something that's like fresh out of the ground, like a real clear cut diamond or whatever. So, like I really believe there's there's a lot of credence to the reality that you know the the willingness of Christ to pay the highest price imaginable to go to the cross stretch forth his arms and bear the wrath of God and say I love you this much you know that shows the the value of what he believes you know that you are to him and that the extent that he was willing to go to purchase you, whether, whether you believed it or not, you know, and, and and that's the part of the crazy part is, is that he knew that uh, the majority of humanity would reject him. Right. He, he, Mm -hmm. he said that in Matthew seven, that the way would be narrow, that most people wouldn't believe. And yet he still went to the cross because he saw you as valuable. He saw you as worthy. He saw being with you as supreme value. And yes, it ultimately it's, it's for the father's glory. And it's for the sake of displaying his power of redemption and grace and all of that. But the, the, the blood of Jesus is, is of infinite worth. And he, he didn't do it to, to, you know, he was a spotless lamb. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. And yes, to wash away your sin our, and our sins are ugly and they need to be cleansed by the blood of the lamb. But that blood speaks a better word. And it brings us into a reality of standing before a father and it's not just to to give his per- perfect record like i talked about but then it brings into, into fellowship with the father who who speaks his love over us and says that we are of infinite worth that we're you know in the same fellowship of the trinity which you know john 15 9 says as the father has loved me so have i loved you i mean that one phrase right there if you have any familiarity with with God and, and the the triune God, you know, if you're feeling worthless tonight, if you're feel, hearing those voices like Dallas talked about, you know, that um, 
saying, just give up or just give in. It's never going to be good enough. Well, he says you are good enough because of what Christ accomplished. And he's brought you in the most glorious fellowship, the most glorious relationship you could imagine, which with the same love that's already in the fellowship of the Trinity, which is infinite love, infinite joy, infinite energy. And the way that he loves, it's not just this uh, sentimental love. Like we think about here on earth, like we, you know, think about the, the, the flakiness and the, uh, the sentimentality of Valentine's day. Like Mm. we had yesterday, like it's a totally different kind of love that will never end. And because of that love, you have Supreme, I mean, incredible, incredible worth, incredible value. And, and also because of that love, he planned a life for you, planned a good purpose for you. If you're willing to, to follow Christ and his plan unfolds for you gradually. And it's way better than any plans that we've made for ourselves. And if you guys are inspired by what Paul is saying tonight, check out his book. I'm sure there's so much more in depth in the detail. I mean, just to hear you speak you're a great storyteller. And so I'm sure reading your book, you're going to be impacted and you're going to be impacted and changed and want to read more and more and more. And so guys, check out this book, Obsession, Depression, and Resurrection, available on Amazon. Is that correct, Paul? That's right. Yep. Okay. Is there any way, any other words that you would like to say for our listeners today? Anything else that's on your heart to share with them? I, I would just say, and it's, it's difficult to keep this brief because this, this is a whole nother story, but... um about four years after I got saved, um, at that point, I, I was reaching a, a little bit of burnout just in uh, not in 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 seeking Jesus, but just in, in evangelism, in the Great Commission, in, um, you know, leading Bible studies, which is essential and all of that. Uh, you know, I, I believe strongly in, in making disciples who make disciples. But the, the the reality is, and I write about this in the book, that if we put the Great Commission before the great commandment, we end up with great frustration. And what I mean by this is, it, it, is if, if we allow ourselves to think that our main purpose, in, that our ultimate purpose in being here is to, to evangelize and to, to make disciples, if that's our, our primary goal. And our primary goal isn't to know him, right? Like the apostle Paul talked about in Philippians 3, how he, he set everything else aside for this one thing that I may know him. And I'll tell you what, if you get those five words branded on your heart, that I may know him, you will radiate the fragrance of Christ. So you will lead people to Jesus with so much more ease and, and in, with such greater passion in the long run. Um, you know, you know, a lot of people get zealous for the great commission for, you know, five, 10, 15 years, and then they just fizzle out, right? Because not seeing enough fruit because of, setbacks here, setbacks there. There's, there's just enough bumps and bruises in life, um, you know, to, to keep us down. So I, I, I would just say for those of you battling with depression or, or those of you who are just bored in your Christian life, a lot of Christians I know aren't uh, necessarily depressed or suicidal. They're just bored. They're just like, where, where do I go next? Like there has to be more than this, right? I would say, uh, dive into the word and pray the word of God, like pray, read the word of God just to know him, right? Not to prepare a sermon, not to prepare a a Bible study or anything like that, but just to know him. Say, Lord, I want to know you at the deepest level possible because that's going to bring you the greatest pleasure because you died so you would know us intimately. And then out of that place, everything else will flow. And I believe, you know, your spirit gets revived over time. You know, a lot of times it's like putting 
you know, a cold hamburger before a bonfire, right? It doesn't just happen all at once. If you get a frozen piece of meat, it's going to take time to, to heat it up and to, to get it going. But over time, it gets tender and it gets soft and you start uh, having your voice, having the Lord's voice tender to you as you as you read the word of God and you you hear his emotions, you hear his heart and you start feeling more and more of his love. You start f- feeling, experiencing more and more of his joy, which, you know, it's not all about feeling, but uh, two thirds of the kingdom is emotion, right? Essentially, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the essence of the kingdom of God. And so we, we have to have a certain measure of peace and joy in our lives if we're going to be manifesting the kingdom of God. And that comes by being connected to the head, the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. And by pursuing that intimate fellowship with him, and then everything else flows from that place. So get it out of that you know guilty Martha mindset of just... Um, feeling like, oh, if I just spend time at the feet of Jesus, I'm not going to be leading enough people to him and not uh, discipling enough people. I would say it's actually the opposite. The more that you pursue him, I, I found the more that I've just pursued him and, you know, uh, then out of that place, just let, you know, the discipleship and everything else flow. It, it, everything else just becomes so much easier. And he he does a lot of the work. He, he, he really, really does. And he's full of joy. He's full of life. And when you're radiating that joy in that life, you end up drawing way more people to him than you could do on your own. So I would say that's, that's just one of the biggest life lessons that I've learned in the, the 15 years I've been walking with the Lord now. Well, thank you so much for sharing because seriously, I'm being ministered to tonight. This is not for our listeners. This is for me. Thank you so much for, for sharing those things Praise that you're God. sharing and being a part of our yeah. show today, Paul, thank you so much. And again, for our listeners, can you say those five words one more time that Paul wrote? That I may know him. Perfect. Guys, write that on your hearts. Write it in your notebook. Write it on your mirror for you to see it every single day. That's the purpose. If you want to live as a Christian, pick up your cross daily, follow him, and abide in Jesus. He's the answer. Paul talked about it the whole time. It's not basketball. It's not our ways. No, it's his ways. It's Jesus Christ and his blood blood is sufficient. Paul, thank you so much for being a part of our show. If I can have you in the podcast with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, well, well, Father, we just thank you for this time tonight, God. Lord, we love you. And Father, I just pray for everyone listening right now, God. Father, you would touch them with your joy, with your life, Lord God, for in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Father, I just bless each and everyone listening. Father, I thank you that in your presence hopelessness is gone, that despair is gone, that depression is gone, Lord God. And I say, Lord God, let your joy overtake them, Lord God. I thank you. The joy of the Lord is indeed our strength, Lord God. Uh, religion in itself is not our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Father, by the power of your spirit, Lord, would you touch hearts tonight? Would you mark hearts for intimacy with you, even as I've got to share about deep fellowship and deep intimacy with you, which is at the very core of your heart and something you desire from us more than anything else, to be close to us, Lord God, that we would know you. Father, I pray that people would even change the life vision of their hearts, Lord God, that they wouldn't have this life vision of just uh, ministry impact or, or marketplace impact or whatever, that the, the first place of impact would be upon your heart, Lord God. And then let everything else flow out of that. So, Father, I pray that people be filled up tonight, Lord God. Father, fill people up overflowing by the power of your spirit, God. And I just bless Dallas. I thank you for his life and his heart and the mission work that he's doing there. And, Father, let him be refreshed. Let him know you at a deeper level than ever before. I just bless each and every person listening, Lord God, to be free, Lord God, even from 
from condemnation and guilt and shame, even any, any religious guilt of sitting at your feet, Lord God. We, we just say, uh, as you said to Martha, do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Just connect with me and everything else will flow from that place. Father, I, I just thank you um, for your word. And I thank you for this time tonight, God. I bless each and every person in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.